It's now time for Good, Bad and Ugly on Fridays in the Top End. So I'm going to start with my good, and that's Waratah. There was a bit of pressure on Waratah last week to back up their performance against St Mary's. But if anything, they exceeded expectations by thumping Southern Districts and booking a spot in this year's grand final. A fortnight ago, they were almost considered the third favourite for the flag behind St Mary's and Districts, but now they are the clear favourite. They are peaking at the right time of the season. Yeah, definitely, mate. And you just mentioned before that week off, whether that hurt Southern Districts. Um, but yeah, they they were clinical. Mm. They they just looked a, a far better. A couple of steps ahead, actually. And they, you know, not just won by a couple of goals. It was like a 50-odd point win, wasn't it? So, it was. Yeah, they, they're clear favourites now, mate. And, um, yeah, if you're a Waratah supporter, you'd be um, getting get all the dusting off all the gear and getting ready for the grand final next week. I spoke to the great man, Tavis Perry, who before the game asked me for my prediction, Waratah and Southern Districts, and I was very diplomatic about it. I said, oh, look, I, I do tip Waratah, but I think that you can't write off Southern Districts. They have a great team on paper. And he said, look, I think Waratah are going to blitz everyone from now. I think they're going to win easy today, go through to the granny and then win that easy. So, so far, his prediction's looking right. Do you think Tavis, that... Yeah. yeah. Do you think that Ryan Ayres... Uh, has learnt, I suppose, from last year's grand final. Like, they lost by 35 points. It wasn't overly competitive after the second quarter. Do you think that it's a really motivating factor for Ayersy to make sure that his team's peaking at the right time of the year? Yeah, it definitely is. And it's another hard one, too, when you get a good win in the finals. It's almost um, not ideal, I, mm. I believe, because like, I don't know whether you think it's going to be easy from then on, but I think Ryan Ayres, um, you know, after last year's disappointing loss, um, you know, that side's been building for the last three years. So I think Ayres, he's um, going to have his boys ready and peaking, and I think they're going to probably got another gear in them. Yeah, so. I can imagine a few weekend sessions at uh, Gardens Oval, getting yeah. the boys ready. Anthony Hoban will be down there giving a, <laughs> a few... Um, you know, inspirational speeches too, so shout out to Hobes. I've heard they've got a bit of a town <laughs> band where they're not allowed out past 12, but um, I don't know if you've been out on Mitchell Street lately, but they're certainly making the most of it until 12, but oh, no. <laughs> they, can, they deserve that. Hey, my bad this week is Southern Districts, and just the week that they've had, it's not so much the fact that they've got belted by Waratah, it's also uh, that they, it was announced during the week that they reached their breach, sorry, the NTFL license agreement regarding conduct obligations of the club. Now, we'll go into what that exactly means. There's a lot of big words there, but long story short, they were found to have played a player in the Division 2 or named a player in the Division 2 who did not take the field. And they allegedly did this, according to AFL&T, to generate a player points advantage for next year. Instead, they have copped a $10,000 fine, half of which will be suspended. And they will also have, and this is probably the, the big one, their player points reduced by two points uh, for each match next season. So if everyone's playing with 16, they'll play with 14. We will talk about that a little later, but that's going to have some long-term repercussions on the club. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um yeah, there's a bit of uh, mixed words out there and mm. all the rumours and, you know, they're saying it's not true. And But, um, yeah, if, it's, if they've been fined for it, his name must have been on the team sheet. So mm. that's, you can't hide that. And, yeah, it's it's not ideal for any anything like that to happen. But, um, yeah, big, big, you know, not just for this season. Like, mm. you know, you, you cop the fine, but then to be two points behind everybody else when it's hard enough to fit in mm. you know players into the 16 or for 18 points as it is um to lose two points there that's that's well, a real kick in the guts that's the big one yeah, yeah that, the five thousand dollar fine isn't great but that's probably in um shannon rusk probably just open up his wallet and, and, yeah, and pay that tap and go. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah yeah that that's you know that's a big um repercussion to the points on the team and, and mm. going forward next year yeah i think 
districts, and I reckon there's two sides to every story, and I would love to hear Southern District side to it because, um, you know, a lot of these teams, uh, and we have seen in the past teams, breach these rules where it probably hasn't been so much cheating, but more of the governance. Obviously, the clubs are relying a lot on volunteers, and, and sometimes these, I don't know much about the Play HQ system, but sometimes it can be a little bit confusing. You know, maybe it was human error and not so much them trying to, you know, pull a swift run on the league and, and play these players to, to get their points down. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see what their side of the story is. Um, but, yeah, not yeah. good. It's it's a weird one. You touched base on that um, player HQ, but when we did our team sheet last week, um, you know, there's probably five or six blokes that we would love to have on our side. Jack Long um, was one of them. And, yeah. you know, he's only played the three games. So it didn't even allow us to click on his name and select him. It, it, mm. it only had the names highlighted that you could pick and put in your side. So... You know, then then you see sides naming blokes that aren't available, but I know they they did that um, in round seventeen and eighteen. But mm. um, yeah, it, it was an interesting one because we we were sitting there thinking, how do they pick these blokes when we couldn't even click on blokes yeah. like Jack Long and those who only played three games, and everyone will have a Jack Long on their side. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have told me that. They have said that the Play HQ system, basically if a player is ineligible or can't play, then they can't even be clicked through. No, I don't know nothing about in, yeah. this yeah, the system. But <laughs> who knows? And my ugly raff is, and this is an interesting one, Brody Philo's eight disposal performance. Now, this could sound a little bit mean-spirited, so it's not about targeting Brody Philo here, but more so his teammates' inability to help him out last weekend. It was elimination final loss to St. Mary's. The Wiz Parnell, arguably the best defensive player in the competition, wore Philo like a glove and was able to do so without little opposition from Philo's teammates. Now, there's only so much you can do. I'm not saying to punch the bloke behind play or do anything overly dirty, but I do wonder if enough physicality was put on Parnell to stop the tag. I question whether Philo's Nycliffe teammates were doing everything they could to help out their most talented player, and I know at quarter time that was a directive of Buxy to make sure that more players were getting around to help Philo out, perhaps give him some easy ball out the back and get him into the game. But eight disposals, they weren't able to do so. Yeah, definitely. And then whether it's a, it, what you might almost call it, a, um, a ugly for Nycliffe Tigers, mm. not so much Brody Philo. Um, yeah, it was the whole the whole yeah, thing, really. Yeah, yeah, so to help your best player out, like you, like you mentioned, and, and a block here and there, and any time you can put a body on Kieran Parnell, um, you know, it's, it would be ideal. And to slow him up and give... You know, Philo only needs a, a metre of space, mm. if that, um, you know, to, to damage you. So, yeah, to have eight, eight disposals and be their best player all year, um, yeah, it's very disappointing by, I'd probably say, the Nycliffe team altogether. Definitely. I think it'll be interesting to see whether... So my prediction is that uh, Kieran Parnell will go to Luke Smith this week for Southern District. So it'll be interesting to see whether Shannon Rusker has that in the plans to make sure that he isn't just allowed to wear Smith like a glove all day uh, without any, any physicality put on him. Good start, Raf. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. It's now time for Raf's Rage with Raf Clark. Yeah, it's a bit of a hard one, mate. It's hard to get angry when you're winning every weekend um, in the Div 2, um, but my rage this week, um, it's not some, it's a, it is a rage. I know there's a lot of clubs asking the question, mate, and 
I think the the rules um, for the competition is the big grey area um, mm-hmm. with all the new rules and the, the stuff that's been changed with in terms of point systems, um, ineligibility. If you play three games or four games in a certain yep. division, you can drop back. Um, you know, there's been a lot of questions with the Palmerston guys with their losing their points and um, they ended up not making the top four. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's it's probably a rage against the, the competition itself, NTFL. Um, you know, the rules, uh, there's so, there's too much grey area in my belief and I, whether you think the same, mate, and I think a lot of people have the same argument because there's been players that have been eligible to play Premier League um, for to help out the, um, the Tiwi boys when I was short yep. from Banks and now they're running around in the Div 1. So the rule was you weren't allowed to drop back if you played a Premier League game. Yep. So that's why there's a, a lot of um, heat coming out of the Palmas and mm-hmm. um, Div 1 side because they've, they've missed out on finals. Um, I think a couple of blokes have posted that on your page, mate, and had a go at you and asking you why you've, you've blown up about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then again, like you see that the... the the Southern Districts incident, but that's that's so not, not much uh, grey under rules. But um, yeah, I, I just think next year they've got to just I don't know refresh the rules or actually make it loud and clear what they are from the round one and say this is the you know mm. um, the restrictions and whatnot. And um, even with the juniors, I think they get a bit confused, mate. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a funny one. So I had a couple of boys go up and play from my Div 2 side in the first week of finals. We had the week off. Um, and I said, what if they lose? Are they out? Because they've, they've played a higher grade and they're out. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, they've played four games for your division. They, they mm. can all come back. So I'd never heard of that one before as well because back in the old days, if you played a higher yeah. grade and you lost, mate, you're out and that was your decision. So, yeah, whether the, they need to review the whole rules in itself and, and all the, the different things they've got listed... Um, I reckon this needs to be clear and stated before the season. Yeah, I think so. it's that clarity that you're talking about, Raph. Like, as you said, I have been bombarded with messages about banks supposedly cheating, and, and it does look like there is a, a bit of funny business going on, uh, having a look at the facts that these people have presented me. But at the same time, there is no exact clarity on the yep. rules. Sometimes you'll read a bylaw and you'll be like, hang on, it does look like they've cheated, but then someone from banks will talk to you and say, yep. hey, no, that's not right. They've, they have allowed us yeah, here, yeah. so... Look, Ralph, I think we can talk about this all day. We do need to go to a break, but I agree. I think it's that clarity moving forward that would make things so much easier for both the supporters and the clubs. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Tracy Village, as we were speaking about to uh, Ralph, they're into the grand final next weekend. You must be a very happy man. Yeah, as a president, yes, I am very happy. Yeah, we uh, had some hard times this year, but yeah, so um, because we're... We're struggling with numbers, but um, mm. we got a good. We had a good coach for the last two years, and yeah, it's, it's good. We haven't played finals since uh, seven years ago when uh, we won one with uh, everybody knows the uh, Majo McLean. Just, uh, started lineup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were just talking about that, Freddie. We were saying uh, some of the players in that competition. You had a couple of ex NTFL types. I think the Corey boys were there, and Nathan Walter, yeah. and then you had Russell Gabriel, the big, yeah. the big ruckman yeah. dominating. Yeah, big Russell Gabriel from mm. down at uh, in Victoria. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He, so he, he ended up winning the medal on the grand final. Yeah. Oh, nice. He's a star. It hasn't been overly easy for the Razorbacks uh, since then, over the past couple of seasons in particular. How have you managed to turn it around to generate on-field success? You did mention before uh, the new coach. Is that Brad Wakefield? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, What's yeah, he been able to bring? Well, he's, he's brought a lot of uh, players with him, um, and um, 
uh, with those players. They have the other name players, uh, young fellas who play in the uh, country league down in Victoria and over in uh, uh, Queensland. Uh, yeah, they, they they sort of come over. And we um, a couple of a few of them come over and stayed for the uh, season instead of us flying them over all the time. Mm. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, just struggle with because uh, after Majo we had a couple of coaches and um, and it just happened that that they uh, had to go at the Christmas time, which is you know made the made the club fall apart a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, I see you got big uh, Heath Maloney there running around for you again, um, Freddie. He's he's a good bloody pickup. He's he's a Premier League. Premiership yeah. player for St Mary's, and he's played a few seasons there. The last couple of seasons with Jabru, I'm oh, not Jabru. I'm um, Terry Bombers as well. So a bit of experience yeah. here. The North Heath, Heath Maloney there. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. No, it's great to have him. Yeah, he's a bit. He's been a big um, part of our structure and all that. Yeah, and we uh, we've got a guy from down the Victoria who coaches down there as well in the country. I just can't think of his name at the moment, but he played Rupp last week, and oh, he's just fantastic. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been involved with Tracy since '82, since I finished my career with St Mary's. We were talking about that, Freddie. I was saying to Raf, I didn't want to speak out of turn, but I said, "Look, I think Freddie's been there since the old East Darwin days. Is that correct?" The East Beast, mate. The East Beast, yeah. East Beast. yeah. <laughs> I saw yeah, a little bit of memorabilia have... pop up online of the old East Beast. Hey, yeah, that must yeah. be... You are Mr. Tracy Village then. So there'd be no better person to ask this question to. Look, there was a bit of controversy at the start of the year with uh, the Razorbacks being in the Division One competition. Is that where you want to be or would you be eventually eyeing them off a move to the Premier League Reserves? No, we, 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 would, like, we would love to move up to Premier Reserves. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah so... Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, because we we're going to be uh, having a chat to Tiwi at the end of the season, see if we can get that mm-hmm. partnership going again. We had it a few years ago when yep. um, yeah, when Brenton was coaching, and before that, Wayne Warden was coaching. Yeah, yeah, mate. I I, I mentioned I had a chat to you a few weeks back, but I I definitely think that um, the relationship with you and Tiwi. Bombers definitely should um, be the one that they go with. Um, you know, they've tried it with Banks this year, and it, it, I don't know if it's whether they've given their best players or had their best players available for Tiwi to use when they were short a few weeks um, time there. But um, I know definitely Tracy would be all for that move, and, and, and especially having someone like yourself involved, mate. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. the best way forward for you guys and to definitely see you in, in the um, yeah. Premier Reserves. Yeah, yeah, we. Because, um, as you know, TV women were um, uh, in partnership with us if, uh, this year. So that was their first um, first year that the TV women ever uh, played women's prem. And we came in partnership with them because um, they needed players. And, and uh, so we sat down and talked to Lindsay and Lindsay Whiting and Dean Rioli and, uh, and sorted it out. And it, it eventually happened because... What they were going to do is just play Chiwi, the girls, about four games over the season. Yep. And we suggested, well, why don't we go in partnership with the women and see how we go? And yeah, and they've missed out by a game and a half to play finals. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Freddie, 
You've sort of elaborated on that a little bit, but can you talk about where the club sits in the landscape of territory footy and, and the future of the club? So we look at Pints over the last couple of years, and I'm, I'm talking about the old Tifa clubs here. So you look at Pints, and they have sort of eyed off a move to Premier League, which they've eventually done this year. And those the last couple of years, they've been having fly-in players and really, you know, ex-AFL types, really credentialed players. Banks are in a similar fashion as well, where they eventually want to move up to the Premier League. Tracy Village have sort of, to me, it seems like they've been stuck in limbo where the NTFL have placed them back down in Division 1. Um, you know, f- for some clubs, look at the Uni Rats. They've sort of dissolved into Palmerston now. Uh, the Casino Sharks have dissolved into St. Mary's now. Raff and his boys have swallowed them up. But um, wh- where do you see the Tracy Village Football Club? Do you think that partnership with the Tiwi Bombers is important for their survival? Oh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's important that... Um it, it is important that we uh, go in partnership with them, but as a as a uh, as a club as a club to survive, we will always survive um, mm. because we have a lot of backing from the uh, social club and yeah. a few other people. We just got good people around us. But to to go to go further, yes, we need the partnership with Tiwi. Yeah, yeah Freddie. On that one, do you think um, moving up to the um, Prem Reserves would also um, attract more players? Oh, yes, uh, yes. And better um, players? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, you definitely, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said, you definitely have the social club and, and that there's one of the best social clubs going around and so you've mm. always got the backing. Yeah. So. Yeah, we were disappointed when we heard that we were going down last year and that our women, that our Prem women were left out. But um, so we just thought, oh, well, we'll just go on, go up and prove a point to... Uh, make the grand final and try and win it, and because um, we, before we heard about that, we have recruited a lot of players down south to come mm. up and play prem reserves. Yeah, about uh, so, and uh, there's a couple of them that uh, went to Saints. Um, if we, and, yeah, and me being a Saint man, if I had any more good players, I would send them to Saints than anywhere else. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Freddie, obviously you have spoken about it before. Playing devil's advocate here, I know that the Tracy Village Women's Premier League team last year struggled a little bit results-wise on the field. Um, you don't think moving down to the Women's Division 1 competition was the right move, or are some of the better players um, playing with Tiwi Bombers uh, right now so it sort of accentuated those losses a little bit? Oh, yeah, I don't think moving Dust down to Div 1 was a... Because... Uh, yeah, Oh, I know our girls struggled a, get, a bit, but we were we were trying to, you know, we we done a lot of work and um, trying to uh, establish a good coach and um, and and recruit players. Like we've we've had Sally Riley come up and play a oh, couple yeah. of games this year, and um, uh, it was Atlanta Jeffries and uh, Bush Bushy from the down uh, who were playing at in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we've had those girls, and we we. We were tracking these girls before this, before we, uh, before the, the draw came out, and before we knew that we weren't going to be in premiers. Yeah, so we were very, very disappointed because we, we were, you know, we were, we were recruiting for the women as well as that, as well as the men. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah I was very disappointed with the um, AFL NT. Yeah, in I that think- regards. 
Yeah, I think Tracy don't get enough credit for being pioneers in a sense. The When the move, the TIFA amalgamated into the NTFL, I think at the time if you were running a market on which the first TIFA team to join the Premier League would be, Tracy would be sort of ahead given the social backing. Um, and not only that, they were, if I'm not mistaken, the first of the TIFA teams to create a women's side uh, with, with the you know Tracy Village women's team, which has been around for about 10 years now. So I think they've done really, really good there. Bit of a broader question. Do you, uh, 11 years on think that the the amalgamation of the TIFA and the NTFL was a good move for, for your football club? Um, there are some mixed feelings because I, um, uh, when this move was going on, you know, I was one of the bloke, one of the one of the people who never who didn't vote for it because mm. I thought yeah because the TIFA football was um, uh, there for uh, the reason because um, mm. just with going on with the uh, AFL now there's uh, uh, you know, like they put in another division, and because you know they're saying there's a lot more teams, uh, not more teams, but when you look at it, you know, if you got four teams playing Div Two and you got six playing Div One, you're only robbing one division to play another one. Hmm. And that, that's my view, anyway. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, but, I agree. Yeah. I think that they could probably be two, two. Oh, those two divisions could could form into one. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I reckon because the TIFA was running really well and, you know, like, uh, you know, you knew what you're doing every weekend and the, all the six clubs knew what they were doing. Like, you mm. know, Banks, Points, Jabiru, and even uh, when we first started, we had Catherine in that division as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, Fred, we'll um, move on. We'll on move that. on. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I think touching on that yeah. too, you, you, with it going forward, you sort of don't know... If the what the comp's going to do, eh? Which which league you're going to or division you're going to end up in come the end of the season or come next year? And I think that's yeah. that grey area. You just want some stability, yeah, wouldn't you? Just, just it'll be frustrating, yeah, and yeah. I, I hear I can hear that in your voice, mate. So thanks for sharing that with us, Freddie. No worries. Hey, yeah. Freddie. Look, on a personal note now, I, um, I'm fascinated by the old association football, the NTFA. I'm writing at the history of that competition and we're nearly finished. But what are some of your favourite memories of the Tracy Village Football Club and the TIFA competition? Oh, just um, uh, playing football, enjoying the, the, you know, the camaraderie, camaraderie and um, just playing with your mates and then um, enjoying the beer after the game. And the more, my main thing was uh, when we went... To, as a uh, TIFA rep side, we went to Townsville mm-hmm. and Cairns. Oh, yeah. Yes, and we, we beat Townsville and lost to Cairns by uh, two goals. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There. We had some good players who went up to play uh, uh, well, what they call Prem now, the A grade, yeah. So, but and <laughs> also just, um, just uh, being part of Tracer Village and having all these fantastic people around you is. Is my uh, highlights. Uh, yeah, that's uh, after leaving Saints. Last one. Who is the best Tracy Village player you've ever played with? Besides myself. <laughs> uh, to play with. Um, uh, or seen. Well, mate, oh, it's very, hard, seen, very, yeah. hard to, very hard to name a mate. But there's a lot. Um, I, I, the, I can say I coached a good player, but, you know, like when, you, when I was playing, you know, you had people like... Uh, Hank McPhee, who won a Nichols medal. Uh, he had mm. uh, Billy, Billy Alice. Uh, of course, my rest, his, rest, rest in peace, uh, rest his soul. Um, the legend, uh, Gimpy Lufat, who coached us and played till he was about in, in his... Um, uh, oh, 
some people say, in his late 50s. You know? yeah. yeah. Noel Long had a run around too, didn't he, for Tracy in the late 90s? Uh, Noel, Noel, Noel. You know, I, was, I, was, um, I was away in that uh, time. He, he, and he yeah. won two medals in, in the T mm. for league. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had Noel, even Stephen came and had a game, Johnny. Yeah. You know? yeah, we we had a yeah we had a few few boys from Saints. Yeah, we're still poach, we're still ready to poach anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, very but, good, yeah, mate. Hey, yeah, just, yeah, but all the best to Raph and the boys next week as well. You know, yeah. cheers, mate. Same yeah, to you guys. Yeah, you know, no. looking at them, I've got a lot of a lot of good memories with Saints and seeing a few of my nephews and that playing in that division. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, sounds good, Freddie. We will uh, we will let you go. I do have some great memories of the Tifa, as I said before. I know the year that Tracy won their drought-breaking premiership with uh, Timmy Beecham playing up forward, who was at the NTFL uh, at the time, and kicked big goals. And then um, Paddy yeah, Glassborough, who I think his name was, was a ball magnet. Yeah, yep. So uh, good times, mate. Good times, the old Tifa days. But thanks very much for joining us this morning. You thank have a good you, day. Freddie. You have a good one. No, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Tell you more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We will be in that vicinity on Sunday night, Raf, uh, for the Nichols medal count, the NTFL's Night of Nights. We will talk about our predictions later on in the show, but the juniors also celebrated their best and fairest uh, last week. Were you lucky enough to win a league medal as a junior? Nah, mate. Um, unfortunately not. I... Um I passed the ball off too many times, I think. Or yeah. <laughs> we needed the guru here, so he would have been in his yeah. element as a as a Hickman medalist. But some pretty exciting times. Uh, Relton Roberts' son won a 16s medal in the Division Two 16s, I believe. We had Brody Grace winning the medal at Southern Districts Junior. He won the Under 18s a Barla medal. Uh, the Under 16s Hickman, the one that the guru won, went to Tyrese Turner from the Darwin Buffaloes. The big one, I think, was the Marika Carlton, so a young youth girls footballer from Palmerston, winning both the under-16s girls medal and the under-18s girls medal. I have honestly in my life never seen that happen before where someone has won two different age groups, the league medal in both of them. So I reckon that might be one to watch for AFLW clubs. Going through, we have uh, Leo Weddle from the Pine Football Club who won the under-14s Lou Fat, which is the Division Two medal, and the under-14 Gunderson went to Markel Albert. So Darwin Buffalo is picking up a couple of wins there in the juniors. The under-14s girls was Peggy Rock. I always... It's good to have a, a, a someone under the age of 14 with the name Peggy, but she's won the last two uh, league medals for Nycliffe. Uh, she won on 28 votes too, so absolutely yeah, romped it in, won it very, very easily. Um, and from all reports, is a star. Hey, I noticed that we stop at 14s. Now, I'm, I'm a school teacher. I've coached junior football. I'm not one of those people who, who thinks it's a win-at-all-cost sort of attitude, but I think it's a little ridiculous that they, they started giving out an under-12s league medal and then they just canned it. The only two winners that I know of were Joel Jeffrey and Adam Kiranua Jr., who was an outstanding uh, player at, at that age. Do you reckon that it was a little bit of an overkill um, getting rid of that under-12s medal? Yeah, it's probably they probably realised it was maybe... You know, under 12, you're sort of still playing mm. for a bit of fun and still learning a game and instead of, you know. But, yeah, if you if you started something, you might as well run with it. Um, yeah, under 10 is definitely too young. It's it's learning, oh, yeah. about learning the game and be, becoming a team player and mm. um, and all that. But, yeah, under 12 is probably competitive enough where you could give out a medal. I just think, like, it was called the Atkinson medal, a big honour right. for his family and, and for him himself. And then, you know, to take that away, and I think it's a little bit strange. Like I said, I mean, I understand it's not about win at all costs and all that, but I think you can celebrate 
good things. I don't mind them having a mercy rule and, and yep. not keeping the score if it's going to be, you know, 180 to 1 or something like that. Give them a 10-goal win. But I think rewarding Reward outstanding uh, performances isn't anything bad. It's not like you're giving out a, a, a dunce medal to yeah, the worst yeah, yeah. player in the yeah. comp or something <laughs> like that. So... Yeah, I don't know, mate. Gives I us something to strive for as well, I guess. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that um, Adam Kirinua Jr. And, and even, obviously, Joel Jeffrey's gone on to some big things at the moment, but I'm sure they've still got that medal somewhere, yeah. looking back on it and, and have good memories of their times uh, in the junior football. So, yeah, I would have done that. Hey, we are going to start reviewing some of the games last week. Obviously, the big one, well, the one we will start with at least, there were two big ones in the Men's Premier League. But St. Mary's 13-8-86, defeating Nycliffe 8-3-51. Five-goal performance from star St. Mary's midfielder Dylan Lant was the catalyst for that 35-point win. Uh, One of the Nichols medals favourites, as we will talk about later, but he was clearly the most influential player on the ground. Yeah, definitely um, took it up another level um, to kick five goals in any game, but let alone a final to get your team into the, the next round. Um, yeah, sensational effort by Dylan. Pretty much, uh, like, he's not going to get any Nichols votes clearly because it was a finals game, but I thought that game cemented his position as the player of the season. Um, you know, we talk about Lant as that accumulator type. He's averaged over 30 possessions a game. He runs both ways. He's added that hard edge to his game. Um, and as we've touched on multiple times, he's, yeah, he finds a lot of the football. But to go forward and, and to be able to break that tag and be a dangerous forward option and kick five goals in a final nonetheless. And it wasn't a high-scoring final. It wasn't like he got to the end of five um, as Saints kicked 25 yeah, goals. He goals, kicked yeah. five out of, I think, the first sort of ten yep. and then gave a few off. Jackson Calder also kicked five um, and had a great game. But... Yeah, an unbelievable performance there, I reckon. Lucas Jellyman Turner, I thought, had a really good game as well. What does he bring to the team? I think he's just he's run an ability to you know to leave his man once when he knows Saints have got the ball. Um, he's a very attacking half back, but the fitness and the work he puts in to keep himself at an elite level, like as um, mm. soon as it's turned over, um, he's one of the first players back and on his man, and he's he's you know ability to run and cover off and help other players as well. Um, so that's what I really like about. Uh, Jelly, he 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 runs hard as anybody, and and both ways. So, you know, most ha- attacking half back is sort of, you know, might not get back in time and stop their mm-hmm. own man. So they've got to, you know, really rely on. Oh, take take it in um, how many times they leave their man and take off and go for a run. But he always knows he's going to make it back. So he gives us a, sort of a license to, to go as many times as you want, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, some of these attacking halfbacks, which we've seen a lot in the competition over the last couple of years, and this year particularly, uh, Dill Collis, you know, Jelly Manton, obviously a, a flying option type, but I would like to see Southern Districts put a player on him, not necessarily a hard tag, but I think they could almost sacrifice the game of one of their forwards just so blokes like Jelly Mantona can't link up and run down the field and, and do as, he's, as he pleases. If you were coaching, what would you do to nullify someone like a Jelly Mantona or one, or one of the many attacking halfbacks that we have in the competition? Yeah, it's almost like one of your your better small forwards have to go to him as well. Mm. So he realizes, you know, like oh, I'm on a dangerous forward here. So I like, you know, my running off has to sort of be restricted, and, and you're more worried about your direct opponent than I'm going to get on the end of the sandball or get it to the wing and be the switch of play. So yeah, it's a it's a you know whether you want to send one of your dangerous smalls to him, so he has to really lock down and play that lockdown role. But I know Saints will. You know, Chopper would see that straight away and make um, probably try and get uh, the whiz over there and break that tag. So, mm. um, yeah, definitely a, a softer run with um, just to 
you know, every time he does run off, he's got someone right behind him ready to tackle him and, and put that pressure on him. So he, he he's limited with his ball use, I guess. Lant led all comers with 23 disposals. Jelly Mantona had 22. The skipper, Nate Paredes, had 21. Jay Boyle had 18, so he was an inclusion into the team. Led the Saints for inside 50s with seven. They Do the club, do Saints have a flying conundrum? Do they have, I know there's a bunch of, um, there was a bit of, they didn't play Sam Fowler last yeah. week to play Jay Boyle. That could get tricky because I do like Sam Fowler as a footballer, especially on a dry day uh, where he can use his speed. Um, gee, it must be some headaches, good headaches, mind you, for coach Anthony Vallejo. Yeah, it's definitely a headache. Um, I didn't get back to the footy club last night because um, I didn't have to read out my side until next Thursday. So, yeah, um, yeah I wasn't sure who they, um, the three flyers have gone in with this week. I haven't had a chance to look at the, the, the team for the week, but... Yeah, that's it's sometimes it's a good headache to have, but at the same time, you know, it's it's it'll be a hard, hard position. Like mm. I said, I've got five or six blokes missing out every week and you know, that alone gives me a headache. But to have, you know, quality players, um, you know, Fowler, you know, he's been in our, our best sort of three mm. or four forwards all year and, and what he brings when the ball hits the ground in that forward line. So I think it's it comes down to the weather as well. So I think that's why we went with a bigger body, um, this uh, last week so you know it's a hard one you don't know if it's going to pour down rain this weekend or not it seems to be clearing up so mm. you know whether Sammy Fowler's uh, up here and you've got got him sitting there and you change it on the day I don't know if you're allowed to I don't, I'm not sure <laughs> with all these grey area rules we spoke about earlier in the show mate but yeah it, it, it'll be an interesting one who he goes with Chopper so it's, mm. a, it's, a, it's a definitely a headache. Cameron Islet was really good for the Tigers. 23 disposals, 20 of them kicks. Of course, Islet has a long and decorated history with the St. Mary's Football Club. I thought Simon Deary and uh, former AFL player Hamish Hartlett were also excellent for the Tigers, really stepping up in, I was going to say Brody Philo's absence, but it was it was just that the human glove had him, uh, Kieran Parnell, and, and restricted him to just the eight disposals. It was a highly entertaining contest, plenty of feeling in the game. Always, uh, always, a, a, always very interesting those games between Nycliffe and St Mary. So much feeling in it, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is, mate. And to play against any of your ex, you know, anyone playing against their old team or ex team, um, but Camille once again, you know, with the possessions he had, the game he had, twenty twenty odd touches. It, Shows that the the player he is, and mm. you know coming back and missing the last few games um, as well to come out and still be almost your highest possession get off of your team. That's this Camiola to a to a T. Yeah, an absolute legend. We might throw to a break, Raf. Uh, plenty more to come here. We've got to review the games. We're hoping to talk to Pint Women's Premier League coach Rick Nolan. This is SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am, this is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We were talking about the elimination semi-final last week where St Mary's defeated Nycliffe by 35 points. Of course, Dylan Lant dominated five goals, 23 disposals, capping off an unbelievable season for him uh, in a highly entertaining contest with plenty of feeling in the game. Nycliffe and Saints, we did speak about it before the break, but 
Has that been the best rivalry uh, over the last sort of decade or so? I suppose before then you had the St. Mary's Wanderers rivalry, which was amazing as well. But I think uh, I think over the last sort of half a decade, at least the last five or six years, and since Cammy Islet's departure, that Nycliffe Saints game's always had plenty of feeling. Yeah, definitely. And to lose one of your, you know, your star players and junior champions as well um, adds that bit of extra you know, salt to the to the game or the spice or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm. So yeah, definitely has been a big rivalry, and um, you know, Saints get another get, get another one on top of them. So, but yeah, um, Nightclub have the the couple of premierships three in a row. Not many NTFL clubs have done that. Um, so you know, take my hat off to that that Nightclub group and um, Buxy and, and the crew he's had together over the last four or five years. Yeah. I think that one of my favourite moments of the game was when Cameron Islet hit Dylan Lant with a big tackle and then it was only about three or four minutes later where Jack Lant was reported in the third quarter. The, for, big, the big little brother. Yeah, yeah, for squaring it up. So um, my question to you, have you ever been in a situation like that with your brother on the footy field where you've seen maybe something that you didn't quite approve of or, or the other way around where Xavier's seen you get hit and then, and then all of a sudden it's on and the, and the Clark boys are teaming up together? No, nah, not really, mate. I think it was uh, when I first came back from my uh, Melbourne days um, when the younger brother, Marius, was running around playing some senior footy and oh, I think yeah. he copped a couple of high knocks and I had to run over for him and, um, you know, tell blokes that, you know, just watch yourself when you get the ball <laughs> now. But, yeah, it, um, you know, I'm not one to bloody take blokes out behind player or do anything dirty. I, if you've got the footy, I'll, I'll try and tackle it as hard as I can. So it was more mainly for the little brother because I don't think too many people could catch Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> No, fair enough. Hey, we will talk about the big game this weekend, but there is another game to review, and that was the semi-final, the second semi-final between Waratah and Southern Districts, where the Warriors 16-9-105 flogged Southern Districts 7-7-49 to be the first team to book a spot in next week's grand final. A potential injury concern around the Crocs was Jake McQueen, who had his elbow heavily strapped early in the game. Uh, there was plenty of sore boys at the Crocs. Matt Dennis, Cam ellis Yolman, and Fraser Driscoll all looked really sore and iced up on the bench during the final quarter. Uh, Dean Staunton is one of a few players who will return for the Crocs this week. But Waratah, after a big win like that, we did speak about it earlier in the show, but they've got to be the clear premiership favourites now. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, to, to go in with those two games... Um, you know, beat last year's premiers, um, especially losing the Saints a week before by the one point. And even then, we we all thought, oh, Saints have got them. You know, they know how to slime down. And then they've come out and prove us wrong last week. And then on on the weekend, just gone. You know, to do that to Southern Districts, um, yeah, definitely puts them. Uh, I, I don't know. That's mm. Rob. Well, yeah, where's the guru when you need prices <laughs> for um, you know, premiership favourites? He's probably got them down to a dollar, dollar fifty or so, maybe even shorter. So I don't. I don't know how the odds work as, as well as a guru, <laughs> but yeah, they're definitely clear favourites now, mate. And um, yeah, they'll be they'll be um, ready to go. Mm. I'm loving the form of Waratah big man Arnold Kirby. It's a great strength when you have a skillful ruckman who can go forward and kick goals. I think he's kicked almost 100 goals in a few leagues down south. So that's almost a string to his bow that I reckon a lot of opposition clubs may not know about yet. And it's something that say if, if Darcy Hope, who we'll talk about soon, if someone like that goes down um, or, or Jaden Magro isn't firing, uh, Kirby could be an option obviously of course um, they're not blessed with multiple ruckmen so it's going to be very hard to take Kirby out of that ruck but just such a valuable player how good is it when a ruckman can go forward and, and make an impact up forward just like we see at AFL level now with Max Gorn and, and Brody Grundy 
Yeah, definitely. And you, you mentioned um, Matty Dennis and what he's able to do mm. and, you know, what Brendan Grenfell's done for the Saints over the last few yeah. years as well. Um, he un- Unlucky he didn't get to play in last year's grand final, but, you know, if you had him there last year... Um, but the previous years, you know, against Nycliffe in that grand final, I think he kicked the first one or two goals. So any ruckman that can add those strings to their bow is definitely a, definitely a must-have in your side, I, I believe, at this day and age, and mm. especially the, the way the game's getting quicker and the stand-on-the-mark rule. Um, and Arnold Kirby, yeah, great season, big fella, and um, hopefully you have a, another great, great game next week. I did make a note to talk about uh, Grenfell later in the show and how intriguing that matchup is with Matt Dennis this week. So we will elaborate that when we go through the previews. But Darcy Hope was another one who was huge again, especially early. He's an exceptional form up forward for Waratah. He's a contested marking beast. Um, and, and the thing about Hope is that he's rising against these better teams in the competition. He kicked seven goals in a loss against St Mary's a few weeks ago and has been excellent in both finals games over the past fortnight. I said uh, on my social media that midway through the season, I didn't have him in my top 25 players. And, and look, the guru tells me about that every week. But I'm not going to throw the guru under the bus here when he has no right <laughs> of reply. But some of the players he told me sh- who should have been replaced for him are, are clearly in the top 25 still. But uh, there is no doubt that Hope would be in the 25 if I were to do that list again. How important is it? And it seems like an obvious question, but having played with the likes of Peter McFarlane, how important is that hit-up centre-half four that you can just kick in his direction and they'll either take a mark or bring it to ground? Yeah, and Darcy Hope's got that. He's, he's a big, big body mm. as well. Um, so there's not many big, big backmen um, nah. in the comp. And, you know, you know, look at St. Mary's key defender is, and Matty Green. And, and no disrespect to Matty Green, he's, you know, he doesn't get to the gym mm. as much or, as anybody else. And, you know, he, he relies more on his natural talent and ability. And, you know, he's good enough to play on these big, big mm. bodies. But at, at the same time, you know, if you get 10 contests and you're going up against this big body of Darcy Hope, you know, I think just the strength and, and the size of him alone, um, you know, always leans the contest towards his favour. So, you know, yeah, he's 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 a big crucial one for Waratahs and for them to win, he's definitely got to have a big game next week and kick his four or five goals. I think it's been great coaching by Ryan Ayres. So, Obviously, Jaden Magro has been the main forward for Waratah all season, but now Magro's playing sort of, not as a decoy role, but he's playing further up the ground. They're releasing him. He's having stints through the midfield, and they're putting Darcy Hope closer to goal, which um, before Waratah played St. Mary's a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the matchup between the Wiz and Jaden Magro, and it was an intriguing one. But I'm thinking that if St. Mary's can make it to the grand final, everyone will be talking about the potential matchup between Green and uh, Hope. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that could almost be the most important matchup on the ground. Very, very interesting stuff there. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Raf, we have just reviewed the big round of action last weekend in the, the semi-final round for the NTFL Men's Premier League. St. Mary's 13-8-86 defeated Nycliffe 8-3-51. And in the game to get into the grand final, Waratah 16-9-105 defeated Southern District 7-7-49. Hey, I think the big story or one of the big stories to come out of that game was Waratah's Jack O'Sullivan has been a bit of an unheralded player in defence, has been a very good player for the club all season. And he had a really big hit on uh, Southern District's Jack Sexton. Now, 
I didn't have the best view of it, so it's not about criticising the MRP here or the tribunal. But I thought when I saw it at the time, it was good hard footy, and, and hopefully he hasn't hit the head there because he would be in a bit of trouble if he's if he's gone high. Um, but Jack Sexton was a bit of a sore boy for a while, and apparently I haven't seen the vision, but apparently a bit of contact was made to the head. That was what his initial charge was, and he was originally offered a three-match ban and could have accepted the two weeks under the early guilty plea, but he's now free to play. Bit of an interesting one, isn't it? I know, and, and again, it's going to sound like a criticism here, but I did say, um, extending on one of uh, Robbie Hale's good, bad and uglies the other week, that the tribunal has uh, an inability to make tough decisions when it's going to cost someone a grand final or, or, or a life ban or something like that. And uh, it sort of seems like it's following the trend here, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, and um, it's it's always hard to comment on an incident I haven't seen. Or, mm. um, but yeah, it's like you said to to make the the tough decision, or like the guru mentioned a few weeks back, and he had a crack at the the MRP. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a funny one I see, but where you can be offered three weeks, and then all of a sudden, mm. no, nah, nah, it's all good, mate. It's um, you're good to go. So that's that's the one I can't understand or can't work out. Like, um, you know, to be offered that many weeks up front. Mm. Um, you know, on on division and and what they've seen, and then, um, and then like you just mentioned, if, if it looks better, oh, it looks worse on on division, <laughs> but you can still get away and um, free to play. It's, it's a, a lot of questions going to be asked by um, a lot of clubs and a lot of people in the system, I guess. Yeah, there must be some good lawyers going around at clubland being able to get these players off. If I was a player, it, you know, you know me, I'm not, I, I avoid the hard stuff in footy, mate. I've never had a, never had to go to the tribunal. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know about yourself. <laughs> Have you had been in trouble with the tribunal? Oh, I've had a couple of headbutts there, mate, but yep. um, they were clear, and I, I you know, I, I know I've done it, so I'd, I'd accept just, it. Just so, cop the whack. Yeah, if, um, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's more of being a, you know, with that 50-50 um, or hard, going hard at the footy, I've never had to be in that position. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to have a crack, but um, you know, sometimes like you're, you're playing for Buffaloes at the moment, mate. Yeah. I think that if that was you um, in that same situation, um, being a Buffaloes player, you'd yeah. probably get the three weeks. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying they're favourite, you know, yeah, like yeah. they're lean to anyone, but that might might have just gave it away to say. So. Nah, fair enough. I know, um, mate. You read the social media uh, comments, and and a lot of Buff people feel the same. And and obviously, look. As you said, Ralph, we don't want to turn this into a, oh, if it was Buffs, this yeah, would happen. Yeah. If it was Saints, that would happen. <laughs> if it was Waratahs. But, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting on the surface. Hey, we need to talk about the big game this weekend between St. Mary's and Southern Districts. It's do or die. It's the preliminary final. Sometimes the best week in footy, the preliminary final. It's um, at least at AFL level where you have like the a big supporter base going. The grand finals attracts the neutrals. The prelims attract the diehard. I suppose it's a little bit different in local footy, but I'm looking forward to this game. We will get into that, uh, if not after the break, a little bit later on into the show. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Look, Big, big week of NTFL football coming up. Uh, we have spoken about the NTFL Premier League games, and now it is time to talk about the NTFL Women's Premier League, and a man integral to all of that is Rick Nolan, the coach of the Pint Queen Ants. Rick, do we have you on the line? G'day, boys. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Hey, uh, Ricky, a big week for the Queen Ants. Probably an unexpected loss last weekend to Waratah. What went wrong? I just don't think we had a good day at the office. Just one of those days where you just don't play well. Probably, I think we had one one winner in Zoe McQueenie on the day, and um, they've probably not enough 
Not enough for us uh, as a group to uh, to get the job done. So we just didn't play play real well. It's a simple answer. Yep. Uh, obviously a big contest this week against St Mary's. Who are some of the danger players for the Saints and what is the key to winning? Yeah, look, I think we're just... Yeah, we're going to have more winners. I always say a final is always one out of the middle. So we've just got to win the footy out of the middle. And, you know, we've got a fairly potent forward line that was a little bit down last weekend. I don't think that will happen again. Hopefully not. And, uh, yeah, just get the ball down to them. Mate, a bit of a complicated question here. Um, could be a bit of a tricky one, but Danielle Ponta, are you expecting her to play? And do you run a tag on her? I know she copped a lot of attention from Waratah a fortnight ago, and of course she got injured last week against the Buffaloes. Do you do you tell your players to put that physicality onto her if she if she does play? It's a pretty big weapon. Like, uh, she's, she's not the best player in the NTFL. She's nearly the best player in the AFLW. So yes. you know, to have her running around out there, is, yeah, it's like an NTFL side like having a Buddy Franklin running around. So it's someone that's certainly, um, certainly got to watch and, you know, and that's, yeah, a highly, highly talented footballer. Mate, what are some of the key differences between coaching a men's Premier League team and a women's Premier League team? You've obviously had a lot of success in both. Um, I don't think it's that, you know, it's that much, you know, that much different to tell the truth. I've got an amazing group that, you know, they, they drive high standards and they you know, really enjoy training hard and, and that's, uh, I don't think it's that, that much difference. Those things, since things like breastfeeding, uh, breastfeeding at half time and things like that are, is obviously mm. a, a lot different. Or you know, we won a flag <laughs> a couple of years ago, and girls get pregnant, so that that side of it's different. The, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, what, what, I'll go back to coaching men one day. Uh, I think I'll be a better coach for, for having coached women. I think um, so. But it's uh, I, people often ask me that, and I. Look, Rick, I uh, am unfortunate that you got cut off then. So we had a bit of technical issues. I don't know if the people listening live can still hear you, but we couldn't hear anything out of our headphones. So I'll just rephrase that again. Uh, you were talking about the differences between coaching men's Premier League and women's Premier League. Do you still enjoy the coaching caper? Is it something that you think you'll do long term? And, and will we see you again, uh, say, coaching men at Premier League level? Yeah, I was just saying, I, was sort of saying, I don't think there is that much of a difference really between coaching the two. You know, the men that I coach were an amazing group, the women that I coach were an amazing group that set really high standards. So, so the only difference, I suppose, is, you know, I coached the Premiership a few years ago and uh, you know, girls get pregnant and there's breastfeeding at half time. I suppose that's a little bit different, but I don't think mm. in their attitudes, they just train as hard, they want to achieve as much, it's just the same. Um, well, I'd go back. I'm really got a passion to get back into men's coaching, but uh, mm. probably my biggest problem is I just absolutely love coaching the group that, I, that I'm coaching at the moment. I just enjoy it so much. So I really want to coach men again and have, have another go at that. Uh, I think I'll always coach, whether it's going to be like when I finish coaching at St. Mary's, I coached St. Mary's under 16B side. Like, so yeah. I just love coaching. I love trying to get better at coaching and that sort of thing. So I'll always coach. I'll definitely 100% coach men again someday. My, probably my biggest problem is I just absolutely love coaching this group. Again, it could be a potentially tricky question for you to answer, but do you have any preference as to which team you will coach? I know you can't nail down a specific club, but does it have to be a return to St. Mary's or would you like to, say, broaden your horizons and go elsewhere? Uh, I sort of had a bit of an attitude that when I went to Saints, and I have been offered quite a few different jobs over the time, and I was just so being aligned to Saints, a life member then being, and I love the club dearly, but uh, I've sort of probably grown out of that, grown out of that, and I've, 
yeah, I love coaching and you talk about mental health and that sort of thing. That's what I love doing. So, of course, I don't want to coach against St. Mary's, but at the other, the other stage, that's my passion in life. It's not some people mm. like fishing. I love coaching. So, yeah, I don't. I think it's also got to, and I've actually heard you and other people speak about it. Probably got to have a group, you know, the group that you know, I, I do uh, want to win and I do love high standards and I love creating, uh, you know, that, that environment. So I've got to probably pick the right one that's, you know, not all groups are going to be suited to my style. I'm lucky mm. with the girls. They just, they just want to, you know, they want to get better at footy and. I love the teaching side of footy. You know, I just absolutely love teaching. So, yeah, it's my passion. Coaching is what I just love doing. So once upon a time, I just I found it hard to, to that I wouldn't be able to coach St. Mary's. But now I just, you probably, I've probably got to put my mental health or what I want to do. And what I want to do is I just love coaching. Yeah, on that note, Rick, um, Rafi, mate, um, would you, I think that's the hardest one is um, probably going to a club where you get the full buy-in and the, and the players want you, um, is that is that probably going to be the hardest thing? If you you were to like you know you can have the club officials um, want you and tell you they want you, but then because if you've never had anything to do with a player group or you don't know their standards and whatnot, is that something you'd look into to make uh, I, sure I that the actual hard player hard. group wants you? Yeah. I'd, I'd have to because some people might might may not like that that style. I, I've got, yeah, you know, the group that I had with the men. I had unbelievable relationships and you know, and, and finished with you know finished as strong as ever. The playing group with the girls, my relationships with them are, are absolutely awesome. And that that, that you got to look at who suits you. So I go, a Gary Lyon, he, he may not suit a certain playing group. So that's one thing I just do have to look at. It. Yeah. I'd look at a playing group, and that's a, it'd be an absolute disaster if someone like me that just lives and breathes football. Yeah, I went into a group that you know take football socially. It's just not going to work. So of yeah, course, I've got to look. I have to look into the, and I've got to look into me. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've got to look into me, and I probably haven't been offered other coaching jobs because I'm not suited to that group. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, Rick, you coached me for a, a few years, and it was an interesting time. So this isn't going to be a, a backhanded compliment because before I preface this question, I must say that no other coach that I've had in senior football, and I've, I've played a fair bit of footy now under a lot of different coaches, no other coach has been like you who has called me up on an off night and said, hey, do you want to go get a coffee at, uh, at, at Jape Homemaker Village or something like that and go through video edits? So um, I certainly always appreciate everything, and I'm sure there's many players in that boat that appreciate all the time and effort that you put into them and, and your match analysis. But what I will say, Rick, is you have delivered some of the biggest, scariest sprays that I've ever seen from a coach. Is there still room for that uh, while you're coaching Women's Premier League? Um, no, probably. I, look, <laughs> I think I'm a significantly better coach. Like when I do go back to men, whenever it is, and as I said at the moment, I just love the group that I'm coaching. Mm-hmm. But I think I'll be a better coach for having coached women. So, yeah. you know, and I... I don't think I delivered a spray, like a monster spray, um, in my last year at coaching St Mary's until. So, yeah, of course, the girls. I give some stern words now. Yeah, you know, some stern words now. Yeah. Then, but they're a group that can. Right, we're not playing well. This is what. Instead of giving a spray, right, we're not playing well, and this is why we're not playing well. And try to explain. Mm. And I think you can do. There's a difference between a spray and or something personal, and then there's a difference between hey, we're not we're not performing well, but then backing it up with the reasons we're not performing well because we're getting beaten out of the middle. Our forwards are behind, or our you know our starting points in the defence. So you, it's about giving a spray, but also giving direction. You know, giving direction within the spray. Yeah, I think it's certainly about timing and also the person you're delivering the spray to. You know, we know um, some people don't respond to that style. But, uh, hey, look, taking it away from your own coaching and, and the Queen Ants, what are your thoughts on Pint's first year in the Premier League, the, the men's Premier League? 
Uh, probably don't watch it as much as I can. It's sort of a funny one. You look at Waratahs now, and they're going to win the grand final by 10, 10, 10 goals, mm. but footy's a, footy's a funny game. Uh, it can turn around, uh, turn around pretty quickly. But they're, they're in a bot. You can't win a premiership if you're not in the grand final. And no. at the moment, Waratahs are in a great, they're in the grand final, they're in the box seat, but they're in a similar position, uh, similar position uh, last year. To be interesting this week, you know, with uh, look, I haven't watched a lot of districts, and then I watched the game pretty closely last week, and they didn't look real good. But you know, the names on the paper, they're, they're obviously, you know, it's a, a, you don't finish top of the ladder for no reason. They're obviously a pretty good side, so. Yeah, it'd be interesting, but at the moment, it just looks like no one will be able to beat Waratahs. So. Rick, what's your expectations on Pint heading into next year? Uh, do you think, like, obviously it's the first year into the Premier League, and I thought they exceeded expectations. I was one of those people uh, who, who didn't think they'd win very many games, but they've recruited quite well. Do you think without having a junior base that something like that is sustainable? What do you think Pint's expectation would be next year? Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I thought they've done absolutely exceptional, recruited well, but a lot of that's, you know, as you said, you can just recruit a bloody one player and it can make the world a difference. So hmm. they've got to recruit, keep recruiting well. Um, the facilities are second. You know, if I had the, I would have loved to have those facilities when I was coaching St Mary's. So that attracts people to your club. So I think they're set up really well there. Um, it's a great culture. Like it's a, just a ripper club. No one's bigger than anyone. Like bloody everyone's very, very even. Um, and yeah, so it's it's. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Yeah, like it's, the, the, I can go on, but juniors, they've got to get their junior system right. Yeah. Nah, for sure. Hey, last one from us. Do you have a Nichols medal and a Gwyn medal prediction? Uh, Gwyn medal. Rennie Hicks will go pretty close for us in the... Uh, in the um, in the the Gwyn medal, I reckon uh, I reckon Matty Dennis would have to be a chance in the men's. Mm. So I reckon he's had a, he's had a pretty good year, and he's big and stands out. So yeah, also won more games this year at the Crocs as opposed to when he was playing at Palmerston. So yep. Hey Rick, thank you very much for your time, and uh, good luck tomorrow in the big clash. Cheers, thanks, boys. Cheers, Ricky. That was Queen Ant's coach, Pint Queen Ant's coach, Rick Nolan. Obviously, plenty of uh, history in the NTFL competition as a player for St. Mary's, a multiple premiership time player, multiple premiership coach as the men's Premier League. Raph, I thought that was interesting and kind of exciting that yeah. he said he's interested to have a return to the men's Premier League. Yeah, if there's um, other clubs out there oh, listening, yeah. you'd, you'd be um, putting together a bit of a package for uh, Ricky Nolan. Um, yeah. But he's coaching ability. And, and like you mentioned, this, what he done with you, take you away and sit you down and... You know, when I came back from my Melbourne days, um, you know, he sends a, a video edit to every player mm. what you can improve on and what you didn't do well. Um, and that's massive for NTFL football. I think the big one, and and it'll be interesting if Rick listens back on this, that I thought in my younger days as an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old at St. Mary's, like I had enough really good players around. I was there to play try and play my best football and I was so nervous whenever I had the ball literally at training I would be so nervous that I had to hit the target and I didn't think that some of Rick's uh, hard taskmaster style was detriment was uh, good for my football um, I, I, I tried to do everything I possibly could you know I was doing the extras and that sort of stuff but I really and it might seem weird because I do I was doing my footy riding and that sort of stuff but I suffered so badly with confidence um, in myself as a footballer I got nervous there was times where I didn't want to call for the ball because I knew a mistake um, would get heavily scrutinized 
scrutinised. Um, and, and I didn't want to act like that was that overall Rick Nolan was a negative coach because at the same time, if you asked Rick, hey, can I do some extras or can we do some ground balls or practice my kicking or something like that, yep. he'd be the first bloke you'd pull aside because he just has so much time for the players. Yep. Um, and, and then when I, I left St. Mary's in 2015 and obviously the Darwin Buffaloes now, but I heard that Rick's coaching style, and, and I'm, he sort of alluded to that after coaching the women, it's, it's changed drastically. And I think that by now he's a far better communicator. So I'm really, really excited. Like he says, he thinks he's a better coach now than what yeah. he was back then. And he was certainly a good coach then that got the results done. So exciting times. And like you said, if there was a Premier League club on the lookout for a coach, I reckon Rick Nolan would be the first person I'd call. Yeah, definitely, mate. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. We are joined by Andrew O'Toole from NT Racing. Andrew, do we have you? Yes, you do, guys. How are we? Very good, mate. Hey, Andrew, what is on in the racing world up here? This weekend, guys, uh, the first of uh, no less than nine consecutive meetings uh, in Alice Springs. So we start this week and they race right through till uh, Alice Springs Cup Day every week. Alice Springs Cup Day on the 30th of April. Uh, seven race car this weekend. Uh, 60 horses uh, accepted there. Really, really good meeting uh, upcoming. And looking forward to uh, the uh, upcoming weeks there as we head towards the Alice Springs Cup Carnival. A couple of um, good bets, I think, on the on the program in the first two races. Race one, number one, 1,000 degrees. And race two, number one, Zootons. Both trained by Trevor Montgomery. Uh, and both those horses uh, went um, well at their last starts and I think will take plenty of beating. So race one, number one. Race two, number one. Alice Springs on Saturday. Took the question out of my mouth there, Andrew. I was going to ask you for your best bet, mate. And um, I think you've already <laughs> just gave us those. So thanks for that. <laughs> no thanks problem very much. Guys. No, it should be a really good meeting. Thanks, thanks for calling. Thanks for the time, Andrew. Anti-Thoroughbred Racing, the Red Centre of Racing in Alice Springs this Saturday. Thanks very much. Hey, Raf, we need to go into the Women's Premier League results very, very quickly. We did speak to the Queen Ants coach, uh, Rick Nolan. His side, Pint, were defeated by Waratah 4-11-35 to 3-4-22, which means just like the Men's Premier League, Waratah have booked a spot into the grand final in a fortnight's time. Bit of an upset. Uh, Pint have dominated most of the season. It was a very close first half with only two points separating the teams at the main change. A little bit about, like your Division 2 game, but a two-goal to nothing second, sorry, third quarter was enough for the Warriors to hold on to a win. Stephanie O'Brien has been in amazing form. She had 28 disposals, 16 hitouts and a goal the previous week and was best, to ground, best on ground again last week. Annabelle Kievert and Brittany Daly were other strong contributors. In the other game, the elimination semi-final, uh, I watched this one. It was an interesting one. St. Mary's 3-2-20 defeated the Darwin Buffett's 2-3-15. A very low-scoring encounter, but quite an entertaining game when I was watching. Former Buffett's player Jemariah Kono gets the last laugh recording a win against her old team. And, of course, the injury concern to Danielle Ponta was perhaps the biggest news story out of the game. But from all reports, she is going to play. Is that the male you're hearing? Yeah, I think she looked uh, pretty good in, um, back at the club. And she's, um, I think she trained all week, so I think it's just a bit of a bruise. And, yeah, she she'll, um, definitely won't um, miss the opportunity to get her side to a grand final. Mm. So we will go through. We'll go through the tips really quickly. So districts and St Mary's in the men's Premier League. 
We haven't spoken a lot about this game, so the Crocs will include Dean Staunton, Kane Stevens, and Jai Bolton, who are three huge inclusions for the Crocs midfield. Cam Ellis Yolman is expected to miss. Uh, as we said before, we think Kieran Parnell will probably take Luke Smith. The Matty Dennis Brandon Grenfell matchup is very, very interesting. Grenfell's in some great form. He's getting some good numbers in the ruck, um, and he's obviously another forward option, which we've seen at times during the year. And we're talking about a bloke who kicked about 140 goals in country Victoria last year. The two teams are one and one when meeting this season with the most recent game being an entertaining contest out at Norbuilt Oval. Um, clearly, Lant, Paredes, Calder and, and the defensive abilities of Parnell are the keys to victory for Saints. Who are you tipping in this one? Yeah, it's going to go right down to the wire and um, I've found a lot of my Premier uh, um, the prelims are normally a lot harder game than your grand final mm. games. And Yeah, because you've, you've thrown everything out this just to get to the grand final. Um, but... Oh, just because I'm a St. Mary's man, I'm leaning towards St. Mary's, but Southern Districts have finished on top of the ladder and they've been the better side all year. So, and with those three ends you just mentioned, um, it's almost, you know, I could almost lean towards Southern Districts as well, mate. So it's a flip of a coin for me and I'll be a neutral. (laughs) Sorry, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ask you a very tough question. If you're the coach of St. Mary's, who do you go with, Jay Boyle or Fowler? Or 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 do you play them both and say maybe not play a Smithson or a Jellyman Turner or someone like that? No, I think it has to be out of those two. And um, I'm I'm probably leaning towards more of a Boyle, mate, just because he gives you both. Winning form's good form too. Obviously, he played uh, last week and a very credentialed player. I think he might have won Adelaide's best and fairest in the Sandful. Um, so that should be a really good game. When I think about St Mary's district prelims, I think about the game where Buff Ewing kicked eight and basically got you into another. And another... who are you tipping, mate? I'm going to go with Southern Districts. Yep. Just this is going to sound like a weird thing to say, but I reckon districts either get the job done, um, Bolton and Stevens have a big impact, or they completely fold and Saints flog them. That's my tip. One of those two things will happen, I reckon. Um, and I hope for district's sake, obviously it's been a tough week for them. They can clearly turn this around. And, hey, a big win over St. Mary's this week might be what, what catapults them into you know, the confidence going into the grand final should they, should they get the job done this week. So very interesting times. Hey, uh, Bo Tedcastle officially signed with Richmond VFL, a mercurial small forward. Um, he does have the ability to play further up the field, but I like him closer to home. Of course, he kicked 85 goals and won the Abala medal for, in the under-18s competition up here as a 15-year-old. He was one of those kids that I always thought was destined to play AFL, and who knows, he still could have that opportunity if he has a big season at VFL level. Yeah, I think Richmond's a club that suits him as well because you look at a couple of those Richmond players who end up playing in those three three grand finals there, played two or three years on a, on a rookie list, um, you know, and, and played VFL football. So I think that's a good chat um, he's had with my brother Xavier mm. being there at Richmond and, and he's spoken to some of those players that went through the same system, what Bo has to go through now. So good mm. to see Bo getting that opportunity and hopefully this is a stepping stone to getting him onto an AFL list, mate. Yep. We will talk about some of the young Territory players playing down south. Bo O'Connell has also signed with Essendon VFL, and I'd like to give that more than just a couple of minutes. So we'll talk about that a little bit more going uh, forward. But it's a big night on Sunday. It's the NTFL's Night of Nights. The Nichols Medal and the Gwyn Medal will be crowned. Who is your tip for the Nichols Medal? I will go first. I reckon that Dylan Lant has to win it, and I'm clearly not going out on a limb here, but excellent player. Number one in the SCN top end, uh, my list, the NT News, it goes on. And if it's not him, it could could be a Brody Philo going yep. for his third nickels. What are you thinking? 
Yeah, well, if it's not Dylan Lant, then I think we have to take the voting off the umpires. <laughs> <laughs> that's, as, that's as clear as I've got to say, mate, because um, yep. his season has been standalone and he's won every other uh, award that's uh, available. It's got to be out of Lant and Paredes, surely, in, in, with who takes the lion's share of St Mary's votes. So I agree with you. I think this is Lance. Yeah, for the Gwyn medal, uh, look, I'm going to back Rick Nolan in here. He said Rennie Hicks, so I'm going to to back that in. Um, it'd be interesting to see how well Danielle Pontopoles, obviously a proven vote getter, only played six or seven games, yep. but very interesting to see whether she gets maximum votes in each one. Yeah. Any tips and, there? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go with you as well because they've won. They've only lost to one game, so they should get max votes every game for yep. the pine skills. Plenty more to come. Big, well, not more to come today, but in the <laughs> AFL footy world, the AFL starts next week, NTFL finals. This is SEN Fridays in the top end.